0: If you are visiting, I want to welcome you. My name is Jose. Uh, We are a group of imperfect people called Cypress Cypress Creek Church that are doing our best pursuing the one and only perfect Savior, Jesus Christ. And I certainly hope that you do feel at home and welcome here. Today, we are capping off our series on Imago Dei, which means uh, image of God. We have been looking at Genesis 1, 26, and we'll close this morning in Genesis 2, verse 3, how those verses teach us how to represent God as his image bearers here on earth. So we have four words that we've been looking at for weeks. The first week, we looked at how those verses teach us that we reflect God's image. So we looked at Genesis 1, 26, which says, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. I'm going fast because it repeats itself here in a little bit. So God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God. He created them male and female. He created them. So these verses teach us that we reflect God's image, his relational nature, and also um, get to represent here on earth as his image bearers, just like we had painters here that painted these beautiful paintings that that reflected the way they see nature. We also uh, reflect God's nature and are called to see ourselves the way that God sees us and also see others the way that God sees them. Boy, what a difference that would make if we lived that out day by day. that's the first one reflects the second was rule and god blessed them and god said to them be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth so god gave us a job he said control this thing that i've created this world he created us to be control freaks and some of us do a better job than others, and so we looked at how to control the thing that is bare, that is right there in front of us, how God says, if you're faithful with little, more will be given to you. Those were the words of Jesus. And then instead of trying to network with people of high standing and prioritizing that, Jesus teaches us to prioritize hanging out with the least of these and making sure that we're taking care of the vulnerable as his image bears. We Talked about rule. And then the third, in verse 29, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit, you shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that is the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food and it was so. So we learned that he has given us everything so we can rely on God. He is trustworthy. Worthy to provide in every season. Rhonda was talking about that on the podcast. Sometimes we look and we say, Well, I don't have things that I want, but scripture teaches us that we are to be content in every circumstance. That's Paul in Philippians 4. We looked at that last week. And today we cap off with this very challenging, these ver- challenging verses that teach us how to rest. And God saw that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. A few more verses here. And so God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Rest is how God caps off this first creation narrative. Right before uh, we read the narrative of Adam and Eve and the garden and and the fall and all of that stuff, this is how he's teaching us we are to represent him on the earth as his imago Dei. And and rest is interesting because we think rest is all of these things. I, I wanna start by saying that we, have a rest problem. We don't know how to rest. It doesn't come natural to us. I read a stat that says that 68% of people say that I'm tired, and I see that in conversations when I talk to uh, many, and and, and the first thing that I get when I ask, how are you, what do we say? We say, I am tired. Talked to someone, uh, a young parent, actually one that we dedicated, whose baby we dedicated last week, and she said, I'm sleepy, which I think is a great answer because there's a difference between sleepy and tired. And if you don't have uh, one of these infants, we really don't have a good excuse to be sleepy. Uh, Binging Netflix is not a good excuse to be sleepy. We'll talk about that a little later. So we're tired and we're tired because there's a lot of stuff going on in our world. We're consuming more information now than any other society In history. These phones that live in our pockets have the ability to to get information that used to take us a a trip to the library or a conversation with an expert. Not many of those around. Everyone now is an expert because they've read Wikipedia. And so all of this anxiety now rests on our shoulders and we need to go back to the way that God teaches us to rest. As a society, We've created the weekend. Now, interestingly, the weekend comes from this narrative. It's a Judeo-Christian principle. I did a little research of the history of the weekend, and it started here, like I said, the, the Israelites learned. It was one of the big ten, 10, commandments, Exodus 20. It's actually the longest commandment and the most specific commandment of the 10 to teach us the importance of uh, keeping the Sabbath Sabbath is a Hebrew word that comes from sabbat, which means to stop. So that's what we're gonna learn today. How to stop and chill. <laughs> we need to chill. Everybody say, I need to chill. And tell the person next to you, hey, you need to chill too. There you go. Now we're now now we're getting practical. Now don't get preachy though. Let, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me take care of that. So the weekend, we learned that. The Israelites had this one day. They worked for six days. They didn't work for five and have two. No, they worked for six days and then one day, one 24-hour period, starting around 6 or 7 p.m. on a Friday all the way through Saturday, 24 hours where they couldn't work. It's pretty intense. If you didn't work, then the punishment was death. It was that Series because God says that this is what it means to be a Mago Dei. That's how important rest is for our bodies and our relationship with God. So they started Sabbath from Friday to Saturday. Then Jesus came, and we'll read some more in, in Matthew 11 here, but after Jesus resurrected, then he was raised on a Sunday. And so people, the early church started gathering on a Sunday instead of a Saturday, and by the way, there was all these quarrels that we read in the epistles that say, "Hey, you need to honor this, you need to do that, you need to do all of this." Uh, uh, but but that that didn't really solve the, the the rest problem. So we started hanging out as a church, like we're doing right now, on Sunday. In three twenty one A.D., Constantine made Sunday the official day of rest for the entire Roman empire. And it wasn't until 1908 that a mill in New England decided to give their employees a two-day weekend so that both their Jewish workers and everybody else could rest. Here's what was happening. They would rest and show up on Monday a little off in the head. Anybody with me? They thought that rest meant indulge. They thought that rest was, hey, go party, go drink, go all out, pop off. Maybe not. That was a wrong. Uh, the pop off is something different. Anyway, but but just relax in that way. But what what's happened? Has that solved our rest problem? No. It's only exacerbated it. And now what do we have? We have these phones. What is a weekend anymore? Because you bring home. We bring work home. It lives. In your pocket, your email, you you can't detach yourself. Amazon is now delivering on Sundays, and it's not only that type of work, but students, when are our volleyball tournaments and basketball tournaments and baseball tournaments? Are they on Saturdays only? No, they're on Sundays too, right? And, And when do we practice? We practice every day of the week. We have lost this concept, this sacred concept of rest. Well, Jesus came onto the scene and said a few things that are important for us to recognize as truths when we follow Jesus before we get to the practical of how these verses teach us how to rest. Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees in chapter 11 of Matthew, and he says this, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry a heavy burden, and I will give you Rest, take my yoke upon you and let me teach you because I am humble and gentle in heart and you will find rest for your souls. So Jesus is the source of rest for us and we get him every day. In chapter 12, it's interesting. He calls out two instances that have to do with Sabbath, the, these religious uh, things that, that that humans made. So you cannot do, you cannot do, you cannot do. And what Jesus is saying, hey, so you've, if, if you're trying to find rest in any other thing, you've missed it because that's why I came. I came so that our uh, uh, burdens would be light and our yoke would be easy. He came to give us rest. When we lose ourselves in these do's and don'ts we do exactly what he said in mark 2:27 we shouldn't do he says that sabbath was made for man and not man for the sabbath so the sabbath was created for our own well-being and to connect with god as we'll see here in a little note. not so that we can be slaves of the sabbath and get caught in this list of do's and don'ts, and yet it's imperative that we as believers have some sort of Sabbath, some sort of day of rest. Here's what Eugene Peterson, who uh, wrote the paraphrase of the Bible, the, the message, he says that Sabbath is not primarily about us or how it even benefits us. It is about God and how God forms us. I don't see any way out of it if we are going to live appropriately in the creation. We must keep the Sabbath. So how do we do this? How do we keep the Sabbath? Well, Like I've said a few times, I think this ancient text in the first and second chapter of Genesis shows us three ways of how we can do this. And by the way, let's not leave with a list of do's and don'ts because it's going to work differently for us, especially those with small parents. You're like, wait, what is Rest. I'm not resting, what am I supposed to do? Abandon my child, don't abandon your child, please don't. Uh, You may say, hey, work is, is beating me down. I can't rest. I hope that these three things help us come up with some sort of personal way of keeping the Sabbath. Here's the first key. Let's read verses 31 of Genesis 1 and then the first verse of chapter 2. It says that, and God saw everything that he had made And behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day, thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. I'm convinced that one of the biggest reasons why we're not good at resting is not what we do on that one day, it's what we don't do on the other six days. We don't work hard enough or We're not satisfied. Some of us need to get off our bum, stop being slothful and lazy, which by the way, scripture says is a sin and we need to work hard at whatever we're doing, whether it's school, whether it's a job that you don't love or whether it's your passion that right now you're taking for granted. We need to work our tails off and work at everything as if unto the Lord, work hard so that at the end of the week, we can say, very good. Good. When was the last time that you had a full work week and you thought, man, that was really good work. I had a very good week at work. My hope is that it was this last week. And if not, I wonder for you personally, what needs to change so that you personally could be satisfied? Maybe not please your boss or, or whatever, but clear expectations. You know what needs to get done. You do it. And then you say, hey, that's finished. I'm gonna stop and be satisfied. Book of Ecclesiastes is one of my favorites in the Bible. Doesn't say a lot of light and positive things. It actually has a lot of deep philosophy and a lot of negative realistic things, a perspective on life. And in chapter two, the author is speaking to the vanity that it is working all of your life towards something and then you die, and then someone else gets to take care of the thing that you worked your entire life for, meaning you don't get to take your work to heaven or your riches or your stuff. It's vanity, the author says, a chasing after the wind. But then he hits us with this amazing verse that packs a punch in Ecclesiastes 2.24. He says, there is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil, which is his work. This also I saw is from the hand of God, for apart from him, who can eat or have enjoyment? This verse teaches us that when we work hard, we can actually find satisfaction in our work. So that's the first thing. Hard work, six days of hard work is key to know how. How to rest. Let's keep on reading in verse two of Genesis one. It says that on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So, finished, he's done. We read that one, two, twice. He's finished and done. So, that's three times in one verse saying, Hey, I'm done. This, in my opinion, He's telling us whatever we are holding on to at work, whatever we're ruling over, whatever we are called to control vocationally, release it and relax. The definition of relax is to make or become less tense. not that cool? When we, when we relax and, and, and we stop what the word sabbat means, when we pr- uh, practice saying it's done and, and we stop, We're able to relax and take a deep breath. And what we practice practically is we are saying that this world does not revolve around us. That God is on the throne and he is in control and whatever work still needs to get done, we can trust God. And we can say, hey, I'm, I'm done. I need to rest. Uh, I do believe that, that it's time for me to just stop and, and, and rest. And uh, just like in the Copernican Revolution in 1514, where we realize that the world uh, revolves around the sun and not vice versa, we need to recognize that this world does not revolve around our work. You can miss a day of working and the world will still be there. I promise Psalm 46:10 says be still and know that I am God. These verse these next words are interesting. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. When we are still, only then can we recognize that the leaves are still moving, that another morning will come and his mercies are new every single morning. We recognize that God still controlling all things. And yes, we have a part to play. Let's keep that part on those six days so that one day we can detach, relax, let go, and trust God to provide. have these very practi- practical things that uh, I uh, wanted to list here. As a staff, we're reading this book called Emotional Healthy Spirituality by Pete Scazzaro definitely recommend that book. And in it, he, he uh, lists these things that we can practice uh, resting from. So work, that's, that's the normal one. First one that comes to mind is our vocational work. The second is physical exhaustion. So anything that, that you would exert a lot of energy, give your body physical rest. How about this one, hurriedness? That time that you told the person next to you hey chill that's what this is telling us to chill from chill from from this hurrying that that inhabits our every day how about resting from multitasking just focusing on one thing not on many just on one thing worry reminds me of the verses that we read last week in Matthew 6 do not worry about anything. God will provide. Think about the trees and the lilies. He provides for them and the birds he will provide for us as well. Decision-making. I wonder what would happen if if we rested from decision-making. errands, getting the the to-dos done, resting from those. How about talking? That's a tough one for me. Resting from talking, just zip, day of silence. And, and this one I think is huge technology. See, we think in our minds that resting, sometimes what we do, at least me, is I pull out my phone and I start reading things and may be rest for some time, but it's definitely not rest in the long term. Resting by, some things that we can actively do, uh, do things on purpose so that we rest. Seeing friends and family, Unless family right now is giving you anxiety, then just rest from them. Consider that a Sabbath rest. Going for a walk, going outside, just breathing the air. Some of us like going on walks with rifles around this time of the year and going hunting. Maybe that's what gives your body and your mind the rest that it needs. Gardening, unless gardening is what you do for a living, don't garden. Then hobbying, painting, and, and, and running, and... Um, Dancing, do whatever makes you come alive and recharges you, reading a book, sports, I love playing soccer with some of us in the room, Sundays around seven. Very few are recharged by kicking a round ball down a green field and scoring a goal in a game and calling that fun. I get that. For me personally, that's what brings me delight and I recharge and rest by by playing. Now, another caveat there is we think, well, watching sports, you know, makes me rest. Well, you ever watch so much uh, either sport or Netflix or Amazon, whatever you watch, and then you're like, man, I'm, I'm way drained. This was not rest. There's a limit, right, uh, that, that is important to figure out. Taking a nap, yes, let's take naps, and then eating out. Again, just some practical things that we can rest from and rest by. What we're doing is we are surrendering to God, and we're saying, God, you're, you're in control, And I'm going to take some time and rest. I'm going to relax. It also slows us down. Here's a really cool concept. When you're running, if you're running a race, the slower your pace is, the farther you're actually able to run. So uh, I ran into someone yesterday that I had trained with, uh, to, to run some marathons too long ago, she reminded me. That's been four or five years, Jose. I'm like, yeah, you're right. It's been a while since since I've run as fast as you have. She went a, a step up. I stopped running. She kept on running. Now she's running these ultra marathons. JDR our crosstalk pastor, is a crazy person who's going to run one of these here soon. It's like 31 miles, 50Ks that these crazy people are running. And And here's what she told me. She said that her recovery is faster from an ultra marathon than from an actual 26 miles. So she's running longer, and she's able to recover faster because she's running slower, and she's taking longer breaks. And I think that's the same in our in our uh, rhythm of life. When we take shorter breaks every week, when we rest one day a week, as Scripture commands us, we're able to go longer. There's a story about a guy with a wagon and a horse, actually a group of people, they were Christians that were going from St. Louis all the way to Oregon. And they had a disagreement because uh, they were resting one day a week. That was in the fall. Winter was approaching and half of them said, we got to speed up. We can't rest. We got no time to stop. We got to go. We got to make it there before winter comes because bad things are coming in the winter. And the other half says, no, we got to stay faithful. We got to stay true. And so they split up and one crew stopped one day a week and the other crew just went all the way. By the way, these are horses and people and y'all know which ones got there first. It was the ones that rested. They rested and stopped and recharged one day a week and they were able to go further, key in the long run, not in the short run, but in the long run. So the second is we need to relax. Here's the third and last key to learning how to rest. Verse three. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. We need to remember that this day is blessed and it is holy. So that's the third is we need to remember Not only are we relaxing and stopping from our work, but we're also connecting vertically and and, and we're remembering who blessed this day and who gave us this uh, commandment to stop and work, uh, stop from work and rest. Deuteronomy 5 13, 15. Uh, he talks about this fourth commandment. This is Moses in the Torah, right in the beginning uh, of, of our Bibles. And in verse 13 and 15, he writes: Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do, uh, you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who's the immigrant who is within your gates that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. So he's saying on this day, you like work really, really hard on six days. This is a recap uh, so that you can relax and rest one. But here's the key, verse 15. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. This day is holy. It means to be set apart. And what God tells the Israelites and what I believe is something that we also need to practice is we need to be marked. We need to be set apart from this society that is Uh, lorded by hurry and and work. And we need to remember that we're human beings, not human doings. And we rest and recognize, Lord, I'm, I'm honoring you. And I'm also remembering that you made this day to be holy. And I'm remembering just as the Israelites remembered that they were slaves in Egypt for 400 years and then not by any good work, of, of their own or, or strife, but it was by the hand and the arm, outstretched arm of the mighty God that they were brought from slavery into freedom. So are we, my friends. As those who look to Jesus, we have been freed from the slavery of sin. And we need to remember that. And God says, take a whole day to reminisce, spend your mornings at church with the with with, with the gathering of believers and then continue to think and, and worship the one who saved us from our sins. That's how we remember God. And, and for those of us that are having a hard time at work right now, we get to pray and say, Lord, I'm seeing all that you're doing, and God, I'm asking for direction because I don't know what's next. I don't know what my tomorrow brings, but I'm gonna choose to rest in your presence. I'm gonna choose to rest in your provision. And Lord, I'm asking you to direct my every step. And he is faithful. He is faithful to answer. Galatians 5.1 says that it is for freedom that Christ has set us stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery the context that Paul is speaking to in the to the church of Galatia is that it is this religion that we all get caught up on this trying to be good enough trying to please to to appease God and trying to convince us that, that we are good enough and he says no 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 surrender it and remember that freedom is why Jesus came to set us free from the yoke of slavery. And when we remember that, all of the other things fall by the wayside. When we remember that the King of Kings came down for us, his remnant here on earth. And not only do we remember that here, but we remember our reality that is to come, that we will be in a restful state, working, working in the new heaven and the new earth, but it won't be hard. It won't be hard, that's what scripture teaches us. We'll be able to work from a place of rest. Worship team, you can uh, come back. I wanna quickly recap where we're at. So on on your way out, you will be able to get, oh man, I've lost mine, it's a little card that has how to represent God, and and you'll see reflect on there. It reminds us that we ought to see ourselves the way that God sees us and see others the same, and and then we're called to rule. So whatever God's given us to to rule over, let's do so faithfully, not forgetting the least of these that that surround us, and, and then to rely on God, to remember that he is the one who provides through highs and lows, and finally, that we get to rest, in him. Not only do we get to rest in him one day, but we get to rest in who he is. And so that's how I want to close the series by resting together as a church family. Perhaps for you that that may mean standing up. For some you remain seated. The altar right here is open where you can come and kneel if you need to go pray with someone, but I want what I want us to do is to say Lord You know all the stuff that I'm carrying. And this morning, we're gonna practice coming to him, Jesus, the one who carried all those burdens, said, your sins are no more. And he says, your yoke is easy and your burden is light. And so let's go to him this morning and rest right here, right now. Pray with me.